Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to One Step Ahead, a podcast presented by Nordic Islands Adventure Race and produced by Husky Production. In this podcast series, you will meet dedicated people who all share the same passion to explore new adventures in the unknown. This podcast will release one episode monthly until August 2018. This is Kyle Peter. I am the captain of Team Adventure Medical Kits. We are an elite adventure racing team. Uh, We've been racing in all corners of the world for the past maybe six or seven years, and I've been adventure racing uh, for the past 13 years now. I got my start doing very short sprint adventure races, two or three hours, a lot of urban races, uh, and always had the, the yearning to do more, harder races, challenge myself, push my limits, and at the same time visit really unique parts of the world that I wouldn't get to see otherwise. In 2015, our team headed to the dead center of South America. Uh, We went to Brazil to race in the 2015 Adventure Racing World Championships. The World Championships are our favorite race of the year, the most competitive, races with teams all around the world. Um, Some of our big competitors, teams from Sweden, teams from New Zealand, South Africa. Uh, We go go head to head for race courses that are usually uh, four to six days long. Uh, Non-stop, non-stop fun, non-stop suffering at times. And uh, friends often ask why we keep coming back to these races when we share stories like I'm about to share today. Um, but really the answer is that adventure and that teamwork and that camaraderie to push forward is, is really what draws us, it draws me into the sport. And it was maybe three or four days into this race in Brazil. And, and we knew this area we were going to, this wasn't your, your vacation beach Brazil trip. We were deep in the center of Brazil in an area called the Pantanal which is a giant floodplain. 
and it, it essentially um, is used for ranching and different farming. But the, depending on the time of year that you're there, um, the water can be flooded uh, ankle deep, knee deep, and it's sometimes chest deep. And we had a, I think it was maybe a 20 hour trek through this area uh, and to kind of paint the picture, we had, we had just gone through four days of uh, 41 degrees Celsius heat, maybe 42 degrees Celsius heat. Uh, my teammate, Mary Chandler, who's never faced by hot temperatures, she's always the one sharing water and taking care of her teammates. Uh, even, even she was laying down in the small creeks we would find on certain treks just to, to cool herself down. So there were times where we were concerned about safety with, with how hot it was um, in, in this environment. Um, and there were alligators everywhere. Um, and when I say everywhere, I mean everywhere you would look, you, you would see an alligator on these treks. Um, we were told in a pre-race briefing that they were friendly. They were like seeing stray dogs. Um, I've come across some, some angry stray dogs in my racing days, especially in South America. Um, so, of course, you know, being from Northern California, we, we were a little leery of um, walking within just a few meters of alligators. Um, and so by the time we got to this, this swampland flooded trek, we were actually pretty callous to seeing alligators. We would walk by them and, and we'd just say, oh, shoo, alligator, and then kind of move out of the way and, and we'd continue on the trek. Um, but as we were walking, uh, it wasn't like walking on your typical track. It was like walking in a river, walking in a creek. And we were actually, we started, and it seemed like we were walking upstream. Uh, and this, there was a sandy bottom. The water was actually fairly clear even though parts of this area were, were swampy and muddy. But we were seeing um, all kinds of fish swimming beneath us. Of course, snakes, which I'm not a fan of. And believe it or not, we were nowhere near an ocean, but there were stingrays also swimming. Uh, and because of the stingrays, it was very important uh, to lead with a trekking pole or to shuffle your feet. We didn't want to uh, step directly on a stingray their barb would come up and get uh, the back of our ankle, which did happen to uh, one athlete out in the race. Luckily, it wasn't our team. So we started, and it was pretty novel and fun, but, you know, two hours go by, three hours go by, five hours go by. Now it's middle of the night, and there's flying fish that are jumping out of the water, freaking us out. We're all wondering, what are we doing? We're in the middle of it. We're super deep in middle of this, this swampland, this flooded plain, um, and one of our teammates um, was starting to, to struggle quite a bit. Uh, it's, it's not atypical for teammates to have highs and lows uh, during these long races. Uh, but Jason uh, was really starting to break down mentally, physically, um, and we really had to rally together uh, in the swampland and help carry, carry his extra load, stay positive, and push through. Uh, and that first night, I remember we had to use the restroom, which is very typical when you're out for multiple days, but we're again in this flooded area. And I remember we all shared a bathroom spot in a little tiny island that was maybe, oh, let's see, I'm trying to convert from feet to meters for everybody. So it's maybe, maybe no bigger than 
four meters by six meters. And we all shared this little tiny piece of dry land in a vast, you know, water land that we were, we were wading in. Um, and then we were crossing sections that were full of vegetation and couldn't see the bottom. We were actually wading at times. And of course we are seeing the alligators, the stingrays, the snakes. And at one point we did one of these deeper crossings and, and Jason shouted, ah, like he screamed, like something got him. We're like, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? And we came out onto a, um, a drier spot and we looked and he had this red ring around his thigh and it looked like it could have been, you know, something bit him. And we were thinking, and, and another one of these creepy crawlies that were in this area was, were, were piranha. And of course we have little cuts and scrapes on us and, and that blood apparently attracts the piranha. They're curious, they come by. So we figured, yeah, a piranha must have taken a bite out of his leg. Um, and so we watched that closely and made sure he was doing all right. If maybe it was anything poisonous. Um, and so, yeah, we're pushing through. And again, it, it's really hard to, to describe how long we're doing this for. I mean, doing anything for 20 hours is a long time. I mean, we, if you're, if you're doing one thing a day and taking a four hour nap, um, you know, that's kind of how you could relate, but we don't do that too often. Our, our mind likes mental, uh, mental breaks and rest. And we finally came out onto a bit of dry land and we were really struggling with the navigation because I'll also add this floodplain, um, had no contour lines on it. So there was no change in elevation. It was completely flat. And of course the trails are flooded. It's hard to discern what is uh, your map trail and not. Um, but Rob did a great job with the, the navigation and got us to, to the transition area, which was a transition to another leg, very similar to the one we just came through, but we have a sick teammate and we're all kind of mentally broken down. Uh, we'd run out of food. I think we were anticipating the leg to be 12 hours. So we were eight hours or more over that time. And we came into this transition and it was a little tiny uh, house, a little tiny farming community here where all the, the volunteers and the staff uh, were e either brought in on a boat or an airplane. And this place was like an infirmary. Uh, one lesson we try to always remind ourselves in adventure racing is when you think, you know, the cards are stacked against you and there's no way you can continue moving forward. Of course, your teammates lift you up and push you forward. But the, the thing we try to always remind ourselves is every other team around us, even though we can't see them, they're all facing their own challenges. And this, this infirmary here had, um, all different athletes hooked up with IVs, um, trying to get some real food in, um, just kind of camped out, wet clothing, wet gear strung everywhere. I mean, it looked like a scene out of a war zone. And we took uh, quite a bit of time here to recover while other teams were out on this next leg, which the next leg was fairly unique because it was similar terrain, except we were able to bring in small pack rafts, which is a, is a small inflatable boat that we can carry in our backpack, pull out and inflate when we want to, to paddle a section. Uh, it's pretty fun and unique. Um, we've done some of that in Alaska on some big rivers, uh, but we'd never done it in a floodplain like this. And it actually turned out that this next section was so challenging and so difficult 
um, only three teams had made it through without any assistance. And, um, and the rest of us that were, I guess, stuck or stranded at this transition area, um, all got flights out from tiny little, um, tiny little planes that held, I think it held three of us at a time. Um, and we were taking off and landing in a runway that was just a little piece of dry uh, farmer's field. Uh, so it was quite the adventure. Um, the race kind of had to recalibrate and begin again on the other side of this leg. But you know, this story just just really um, expresses the the challenges and the excitement of a race. And of course, at the time, I wanted nothing to do with with walking in these creepy crawly animal infested waterways all i wanted to do was be back home with my family sitting on the couch drinking a beer with my feet up um but now that i i have the ability to do that i look back very fondly at these challenges and these adventures we've had um and the, the teamwork that was necessary to get through these challenges and to see a very unique part of the world that not many people have had the experience to share so we finished up that race, um, seventh or eighth place, not our best result at the world championships, but still one of the, one of the races I look back with a fond memory because of that unique, unique environment and the challenges we faced to push through. Expedition adventure races are typically won and lost by decisions that are made. When we're out there uh, day in and day out, every hour, every minute, we're making decisions. And these decisions are crucial to how well we finish. Some are right, some are wrong. You want to make more right decisions. And it's absolutely paramount for us to be staying one step ahead at all times, because if we're thinking about our, our present needs, we're going to be neglecting and not planning for future needs. And we're constantly staying one step ahead in order to be competitive, planning out our sleep planning out uh, our food and of course before the races begin we're planning out all of our resupply gear bins where do we need trekking poles where do we need a fresh set of shoes how much food do we need for leg five how much food do we need for leg three all of these things takes planning and decision making um, then especially the navigation and the strategy we're picking our routes um, we need to think ahead right now it's sunny and uh, we can see clearly through the landscape, but in five hours from now, it's gonna be pitch black. So one step ahead, what will the navigation look like and how does that affect our planning?
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.